When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. In need of a coffee, so drinking one. Hey, pass me some over here. <laughs> so, in the in in the traveling fees just for coffee, but I'll try. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with some cup of joe. I can tell you that. Yes, sir. So, all right. So, hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for a nice podcast episode. I actually have Louis Monet with me tonight. And he's actually from Schmoes of the North podcast. And we're actually going to be doing our top five movie releases that came out this year. And then we're going to do our main topic about does it really matter if Zack Snyder's, um, the Zack Snyder's cut is actually a rated R movie or not a rated R movie. We're going to be talking about that. That's going to be our main topic. But first, we're going to go into our top five movies that came out this year. So, so with further ado, I'm going to open it up to you, sir. What was all right? All right. Yeah, go ahead. What was your number one? Number five. Number five, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, just to be more precise, <laughs> uh, for me, it is a classic horror movie. It probably spun out one of the best trilogies, in my opinion, and made a iconic actor, a very stereotypical actor, but we still love to th- today, days and age, and that is Evil Dead Two. Ah. That's actually a good one. Yeah, I love this movie. I actually saw the second one before the first one. Okay. Yeah, and and the third one, just like my first introduction. And I've never heard of this movie when I saw it. It was really by chance. And I was completely mystified of what the fuck I was watching. And yet, I was so glued. And even in today's standards, yes, it's cheesy. But there's something about it that you you kind of get scared and you, you can still believe that, you know, this is a, a whole world on itself. Uh, it still stands out and stands up. I find for the visual effects of uh, the demons still in today's day and age. I can definitely see that because I'm actually a big evil dead fan and everything. I love the cheesiness of the second evil dead. The effects mm-hmm. hold up. I enjoy the first evil dead. Matter of fact, I actually saw evil dead one before I saw evil dead two. I'm glad that you actually had a good experience from watching Evil Dead 2 before checking out Evil Dead um, 1. That's actually pretty cool that you actually managed to know that was actually a good movie and everything. And then you decided to check out uh, Evil Dead 1. So that's actually pretty cool that you actually did that. But they are very similar, right? So right. I never I never understood why the Evil Dead 2 was so similar from the first one. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they knew what they wanted to do. So they also knew that the formula could actually be repeated again. So they knew that they had something going before anybody else could know anything. Yeah, and and it it really does work. But that's a funny thing, right? Because a lot of movies that use the same formula are put in a basket of people that usually really hate that movie because it's the same thing. Whitey brought us the same thing, right? If you don't have nothing else to, to add... Um, I wonder why Evil Dead 2 didn't fall in that category. 
I want. I think it became a cult following a little bit, but not as much. So I don't know. I think it's a lot of people during that time and everything, and that just figured, you know, that maybe the first one just did it for them, and that was it. And everything. I'm like, but also too, maybe with your experience and stuff like that, maybe people experienced it differently. Maybe they figured Evil Dead Two was better than Evil Dead 1 because that was their first experience versus seeing Evil Dead 1 where everybody's like, okay, I've seen Evil Dead 1, I checked out Evil Dead 2, so therefore it's not as good as what uh, Evil Dead 1 is. You see, I, Evil Dead 2. I, I do prefer Evil Dead 2 than the first one. Right, that's what I'm saying. I think that your viewing experience, because of the fact that you saw okay. the second one, and everything, I think that might have something to do with it because it's all about experience, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking because you saw the second one first instead of the first one, I think that's why it holds up to you uh, better than the mm. uh, better than the first one because I know that on the uh, Evil Dead one, people who saw that first would actually probably say that it's not as good as Evil Dead two. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and what do you find? Like they went completely opposite in Evil Dead Three. Do you find Evil Dead Three uh, stands out? I don't find it that that great of a ah, film. I, okay. And everything, to be honest with you, I like the first two. I thought the first two was really great. I just feel like that Evil Dead Three kind of went into a different slope than what Evil mm. Dead One and Two is. That they didn't really keep their formula, which is not something that I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't. They wanted to do something different. So I'm okay with they try to do something different, but it's all about the marker. And if you actually either they can make the marker or they can miss the marker. In this case, I feel like they kind of missed the marker a little bit. On uh, and, and for me, uh, for me, it was a grand hit, man. It, it was like a, a, a more darker, grittier, gorier version of a Monty Python movie almost. <laughs> right. It, it really knew what it was and it wasn't serious but just the, the concept of having like evil dead in medieval times done in a way that just works because the comedy is just perfect because it, it fits the universe uh, for me that's why i find it's a it's a trilogy that that personally is the best trilogy because it really went completely off-road for the third one and unlike mm-hmm. like certain movies like Halloween, they tried to do something different, didn't work, right? There's right. a trilogy is hard to get um that every one movie works in its own way. Uh so for me, Evil Dead 3 is definitely a, a must-watch. All right, what about okay. your number five, sir? Okay, so my number five, this is actually 1985, so mm. a couple of years before you. <laughs> Yo, man. And it <laughs> and believe it or not, it does not involve a mouse. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure one of them involves a mouse. If, if there's not one movie that not involves a mouse, I'd be disappointed, John. Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm going to go the horror route mm. as well. And that is the 1985 original film, Fright Night. Oh, shit. Yeah, nice. And Fright Night holds a dear place in my heart. Because of the fact it's so simple. You have these two teenage kids and everything. They they think that their neighbor is a, is a vampire. And it has kind of a Disturbia kind of flavor to it with Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Where he thinks that his um, neighbor is actually a serial killer. And this one, he thinks that he's a vampire. 
So I like that fa- fact that it has like a kind of rear window kind of thing, Alfred Hitchcock flavor to it as well. Mm. And I like the fact that, you know, it's just two ki- kids hanging out in their room. And all of a sudden, this guy brings home this girl. And they're just, you know, being a peeping Tom, like in the 1980s and everything with preteens. And as they're looking in, they... they all of a sudden, you see the next door neighbor's fangs come out, and then he winds up biting the woman that he's actually with. And the way gravitated towards me with this film, I like vampire films, but there's just something about the 80s with vampire films where it, I don't know, there's just something about the writing and the stuff like that and the acting. It, yes, it's cheesy, hmm. but it worked for that time period. And then not only that, but when I was introduced to it as a kid, and stuff like that, it made me love this film even more because then you also are introduced into Hilsing, the uh, the guy who actually plays a supposed um, vampire killer on, on a TV show that the, the one of the kids watch. Mm. So you have that aspect where he's actually thinking that this, get, this guy can actually take down vampires in his head. So... Basically, they try to do a team-up thing where they're trying to take down this vampire who's actually killing his friends because he actually finds out that he's actually a vampire. And, of course, the mother doesn't believe him. Nobody believes him. Nothing but the kids believe each other. So, And and how old were you when you actually discovered this movie? I want to say I was like maybe 8, maybe 10. So were you playing uh, pretend in the backyard trying to check on your neighbors, see if they're vampires or not? <laughs> Well, get this. I actually lived in the country. <laughs> All right. So, so I had like five acres of land <laughs> and everything. So I couldn't see my neighbors. <laughs> now that that explains the mice. Your mice were neighbors, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. I'm gonna put this in my notes. Mice. Okay. Tell me more about your problems. <laughs> the voice is in my head. No, that's apparently not right. Right. All right. <laughs> All right, so uh, my number four um, would be. I, I apparently I'm going to the third movie of every uh, every series now. For me, it's not the best of the franchise, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a standout because it's a cult classic on its own, even though it's part of the franchise. Um, mm-hmm. It is Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. Ooh. I love that one. I'm glad that you picked that one. I'm glad you were born in that era. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I, I watched the first two, and you know, it it had its own thing. It was good. The second one was a bit. I actually prefer the third one more. The second one mm-hmm. because this one became retook the teen aspect, and there's something there's slightly poppyish about it. There's it's you know, it's not the greatest quality, but something about the team up aspect I really loved. Uh, and I, I would actually want to have a a, a, a modern Nightmare on Elm Street with that kind of concept. It's not just a rehash mm-hmm. for a second one, but show us a group of teenagers to go against uh, Freddy Krueger because it was really well done for its time and did, definitely deserves a shot for today's day and age. Oh, I agree. I would love to actually see that and everything. Maybe mix it up a little bit, have a little bit of modern age to it and everything. Part three is actually one of my favorites out of the whole franchise, to be honest with you. Nice. And, you know, I actually downloaded uh, one of the songs just recently from that movie where the kid is uh, doing his uh, karate and stuff. Mm. 
and it's called Anything, Anything by Drama, Drama Rama. I have no and, clue who that is. <laughs> okay, I didn't either. I, what I did was I asked Siri what I was listening to, and that's what it pulled up. Because I always wanted to know what the name of the song was, where the kid is over there uh, doing his karate and stuff like that. As his dad is actually pulling into the um, pulling into the house, and that was the song that was playing when he was doing his karate workout. Hello. I was on mute, dummy. Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'm trying to, to think about it, and nothing's popping up. Uh, I'm okay. It's okay. I'm hot. It's okay. On. But <laughs> hey, it's fine. It's fine. You have an excuse. <laughs> but I do love the whole Dungeons and Dragons uh, aspect, though, with the fight uh, with them fighting Cougar. I loved uh, the punk rock thing, like you mentioned, with the girl and her addiction. And of course, she, they're also u- he's using everything against them, their own fears. And the addiction was actually something that was actually fascinating. Mm to me that he actually used against her and then them having to go into the psychology of dreams and stuff like that mm. i thought that was actually interesting yeah and uh, also i don't know if you you know I'll, you know i'll ask you a movie trivia question sir and don't cheat if you don't know you don't know Uh-oh. who directed the movie i have no clue yeah, I just checked it up. His name is Chuck Russell. Uh, it's funny because it's one of my favorites too from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Three. But yet, like we don't know who directed it, right? It was actually his first movie <laughs> right. ever. Was a Nightmare on Elm Street, Elm Street Three Dream Warriors. Then he went on to do The Blob, The Mask, Eraser, Blessed Child, and Scorpion King. Oh wow! Okay, I wouldn't put the Scorpion King on on my list for IMDb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you see, it went from good to bad, right? Uh, because Blessed Child right. and Scorpion King is good, Lord Eraser. Uh, you know, it's one of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, but you know, never talked about. The Mask is the standout uh, with with Jim Carrey. That's probably his best movie, right? I agree. The Mask is probably one of my favorite movies that he's directed, and I had no clue that was the same director, so you know, kudos for you to know that and everything when you looked up your information on that. Oh, yeah. And I would have actually failed the slowdown at that. <laughs> Alright, so what's your number four, John? Okay, so I'll have to go with my um, my one of my favorite movies, and you know, I know that Back to the Future came out in 1985, but I want to do something a little different since I already did a Back to the Future review and everything. So I'm going to go with The Breakfast Club. Oh, nice choice. And the reason why is I like the fact that it's these misfits that's in detention and their whole entire day, they actually have to put up with each other and they're so different from each other, you know, and then you find out later on that they do have similarities, even though they're so different. And, and a different aspect, and I, that's something that I really admire from John Hughes. That he always ends up grabbing you, your attention when you least expect mm. it. When it comes down to the characters that he's actually developing, and the Breakfast Club with Molly Ringwald, and then of course with Emilio Estevez, is probably is actually one of my favorites uh, that came out in '85. Yeah, I mean, it, he knows how to make it feel like real life, right? It felt like high school. It felt like stripped down and yet, you know, so relatable, like you said. Uh, and okay, I say this. It's 
it's probably also iconic. Yes, it's iconic. It's very human, right? Uh, everyone is different, but we're all human, right? And it, it really grabs the point that something we would probably have to relearn after COVID is how to learn to accept differences. <laughs> right. And, and God knows that there's a lot of differences in that movie. And it shows you that, you know, when you are forced to be put in situations, there's always a way to to get rid of your preconceptions and to really, you know, accept things that your brain doesn't let you accept on the moment. But once exposed to it and, and really, you know, having no choice to be exposed to it, if the thoughts that you had in your head, the preconceptions, you know, turn into something else and you can actually get connections. You would never expect to get connections. And this is what the food movie's about. And it definitely uh, touched me the first time I watched it. I was a bit older. I was like 20 when I saw it. Oh, wow. I was 13 when I saw this movie. Well, yeah, it is. It is a team. I'm. I am a, definitely a late bloomer on this one, but yeah, it definitely sounds like the right age to, to start discovering the movie. Exactly, because you're at that age where you're trying to discover yourself, who you are, trying to find similarities with other people that's in your age range and stuff like that. And you can actually, um, you know, gravitate towards these kids in that movie because of the fact that you're trying to figure out who you are and because of your age. And you can say, maybe I feel like Emilio Estevez. Maybe I feel like the outcast. Maybe I feel like the loner, you know? And, you know, it's just one of those movies that, you know, it's all about finding who you are yeah. as a person. Yeah. All yeah, right. it's uh, it's definitely uh, a movie that makes you reflect sometimes. Like, like how would you have reacted if you were put in that situation? Uh, I know I probably would have went well because I, I usually get a, I get along with everyone until they piss me off. Anyways, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, my number three. Uh, look, it's the ultimate man's man movie. It's uh, <laughs> uh, it's muscles. It's awesomeness. It's the accent. It's stick around and you ugly mud up. It's Predator. Oh, okay. I gotta hear this. I have to hear what what you think of Predator. Well, I think I really like it if I put my number three movie well, of all time. Well, I mean, like, in detail. I mean, like, that's what I meant. Um, when I watch a movie, again, I'm an innocent watcher. I don't know shit about a lot of things in the past. So I just put this movie on, not knowing what the fuck I'm expecting. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I first I thought this was a war movie, especially the beginning, right? They go into the... Um, they go into the 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 village and they start hunting down like alright, one of those cheesy Arnold movies that he's gonna kill everything. And then oh. Oh, hold on a second. My TV decided to turn on by itself. Okay. Well, that's a that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> John's got ghosts. <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> All right. So uh yeah, uh, what was I at before your your possessed TV went on? Uh, you were talking about Commando, about how you were yeah. expecting uh, some cheesiness from Arnold. Exactly. It's like there's something really cheesy. But like, ah, it's a war movie. I have nothing else to watch. Let's watch this. And then it switched. I'm like, what's going on? And then I saw The Predator. I'm like, that's where that thing's from. Like, I never associated to, to that movie and I completely ate it up, man. I I think I was stuck to my chair the first time I saw it. And I think 
if I'm not mistaken, I probably watch this uh, this movie at least four or five times in the same week. Oh wow! How yeah, old I were was, you when you discovered this? Ah oh, man, I was like, fuck. Uh, let me okay timeline. Uh, it was after I went probably around nineteen. Okay, that's actually a perfect so, time to actually discover that. Yeah, exactly. You, you probably discovered younger John, like all movies. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, it could have been such a cheesy movie, right? It, it is just a monster, an alien, a A to Z plot a bit. And the secondary characters, like, yeah, they're all going to be all alone. But yet somehow the charisma of Arnold, it just fits perfectly with this this movie. He wasn't overacting cheesy like he was in Conan, right? Um, right. And something about the design of the Predator was so just bad as a motherfucker. Like, it, it was badass. And worked. If it wasn't for the design of uh, the Predator, it might have flopped, given in the wrong hands. But they definitely knew what they were uh, going for. Most definitely. And like you said, they had a little bit of cheesiness to it. But they also knew what they were going for. It had some horror elements, some sci-fi elements. They had, mm-hmm. The creatures looked horrifying. Of course, you have one-liners from Arnold and everything. But it worked itself. It knew what it wanted to be. It knew its identity. And you know, you could definitely tell that Arnold was actually glued into that role, and he actually mm. made it believable. Yeah, and I always remember the first time the Predator takes off his mask, and we saw his face for the first time. How weird it was! How well made too, with the the, the four uh, mm-hmm. mouth spikes and the teeth. Like it was just, it, it, it's so horrifying. Like I said, there, there was a beautiful horror aspect. They they really understood. Uh, how to, you know, not just do a sci-fi movie, but how to bring out, you know, things that make you feel really uncomfortable and scary at the same time with having, you know, uh, a sci-fi element to it. And I I really congratulate them. And I don't think they probably even realized it was going to be the hit it was going to be and spawn so many sequels and, like, Alien vs. Predator and the new ones. It... It, for a lot of people, probably it's one of those stories that you hear them talk and they probably thought it was going to be a one-shot because there's so many movies like that in the 80s. Cheap, low-budget action movies that no one... I, I was looking at a 1987 list. There's so many movies. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it could have been one of them, but it didn't. That's awesome, though, that you have a big list of movies that you can actually choose from. And they were busy that year. They had a lot of stuff that actually came out in 87. When you yeah. actually look at their whole catalog, you know? Yeah, the what? They they weren't that busy on 85? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> they had uh, they had some pretty good ones, though. They had Weird Science that dropped. They had uh, The Day of the Dead that came out. Mm. So that we had some pretty good ones in 85. They had Fletch with Chevy Chase. I hope your naming one's not on your list here. No, I'm not. I'm just going by what I what I saw. <laughs> so, as a matter of fact, my next one is actually going to be one of my other favorite movies that I've been wanting to talk about forever. And that is the fact it's Rocky IV. Oh, sweet. And that came out in 85. And get this, Rambo First Blood Part 2 came out in 85. Oh, as really? well. Nice. Yeah. So... 
But Rocky is one of my favorite characters that Sylvester Stallone ever played in. But there was just something iconic about a revenge plot taking place in the boxing rink with the Russian with Ivan Grago. And, you know, of course, Rocky wants to get revenge on Ivan by trying to avenge his friend that died in Apollo. And that's something that we didn't really see a lot of as a revenge plot in a sports movie. And what that what they did was just really good for for the time that it was actually in because it actually it had some cheesy moments, but for what it was, it actually worked in Sylvester Stallone's favor, and also becomes one of the most iconic movies and everything that actually ended the Cold War. <laughs> hmm. And everything at the end of it, if you actually think about it. But you know, I just like the training, showing the different training exercises between Ivan and Sylvester Stallone whenever he's over there. Uh, training the movie is just fantastic yeah i mean the the every like up to well rocky one two three uh one two three and four the bad guys uh the the the, the opponents are are all they can't stand out but themselves right uh, drago is really this imposing very different kind of imposing from the the third one uh this very cold and emotionless but ruthful very dangerous enemy that you know can kill you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the backdrop of also the, 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 a prophecy of saying like with too much money and popularity, you do become weak. You, you are not on the top of your game. And it's, it spoke to me. It was cheesier than the first three, but I remember watching at first. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. But then I saw the fifth one. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and then I actually grew an appreciation. I actually grew more of an appreciation for it because of Christian Harloff. Right. Because of SCN. They kept, like, referencing it and loving it. I'm like, it wasn't that good. And I rewatched it. And holy shit, is it good? It's fantastic. Um, a matter of fact, I even remember SEN and everything, with, and whenever they were actually called Collider Live, they used to rip the fifth one apart to pieces all the time. <laughs> but it, there was just something special about that fourth one and everything where they just talked about it and how passionate they were for it. And I went back and rewatched it again, on get, giving on their perspective and everything compared to mine. And their perspective is huge, bigger than what mine is. And everything, and it just—it's just a fantastic film. It has a lot of heart into it. It has everything that you want in a Rocky film, and stuff like that. And you know, you can't go wrong with Sylvester Stallone trying to go after Ivan, and then not have that fear of Rocky might not make it out of this movie alive. Hey, they—they they killed his uh, his corner, Mickey, right? So you never know what can happen. And after right. four, you think you know they did four movies, especially in that time. Uh, I can't remember having like drama, having sequels and sequels. This is not action movies, right? This is a drama movie, so right. it would have been logical. And they probably maybe talked about it at a certain point, but you know, apparently you cannot kill the man. Um, all right, so let's go into my number two. What I want to do with you, Mister John, is I'm going to read you a couple of quotes. You try to, to to guess which movie this is, okay? Okay. All right. First quote. What the hell was that noise? That was my virgin alarm. It's programmed to go off before you do. Okay, that sounds familiar. I know you don't I know you can't stand total recall, so that's not that. Um 
read the last one to me again? Okay. I'm going to do a JTE rule. What the hell? I have other ones, Opey. Like, what the hell was that noise? That was mm-hmm. my virgin alarm. It's programmed to go off before you do. Programmed off before you do? That tells me there's a bomb. Nope. All right. Okay, never mind. I'll, 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 um, I'll go uh, on the next one. You idiots! These are not them. You've captured their stunt doubles. Bill and Ted. Nope. Good. Okay, what is it? All right, I have one more. Okay. Damn it, give me a second. I had a good one. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. What the hell are you doing? The Vulcan neck pinch. No, 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 stupid. You've got it too much too high. It's down here where the shoulder meets a neck. Like this? Yeah. Garf also ground. Thanks. Okay. I know what it is now. What is it? And it's like it's iconic. It is a Mel Brooks film, and that is baseball. Yes, sir. It is baseballs. I fucking love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me why you love this movie so much. I have to hear this. All right, because I'm going to tell you why I love it. Okay, because it it reached me at the right moment. That's my kind of humor. They're very like over the top, but at the same time sarcastic like comb the desert and you see a comb in the desert it for me that for my brain it makes me laugh so much because it's so literal and the whole ridiculous speed and um and helmet and all the characters i was big on the star wars but it, even if it was not really the star wars it was their approach that you know make me crack up so much and the worst part is I'm not even a Mel Brooks fan. I just like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's great, though, man, because this is actually a great cult classic as well. Mel Brooks is known for his spoof movies and things like that. Rick Moranis is great in this film. John Candy. It's an all-out oh, cast, yeah. if you actually think about oh, it. Yeah. The asteroid field makes me laugh every single time. When they're going into the asteroid field and everything else, that, that's those scenes just make me laugh. And uh, Pizza the Hut, yeah, Pizza the Hut is my favorite um, thing that they use for Java the Hut. And um, what else? Well, Lord Helmet, obviously, but right. Um, oh yeah, also that the guy who was in Police Academy who did all the sounds. Oh, I know the I know the dude that you're talking about. He was actually one of my favorite characters from. Um, Police Academy. And he works so well in this movie when he's doing boop baps. Uh, yeah, this this overall just brings me back to uh, an innocent age of awesome, you know, content without being like, you, you. I would take this movie over any stupid stu- uh, spoof movie like um, Scary Movie, right? Or not an early movie. Right. Like, they don't do spoof movies as they did before. Airplane, this no. um, top secret, something about the 80s and spoof just cannot be recaptured in today's day and age, and I cannot get why. And personally, Spaceballs is probably the king of all the spoof movies in the 80s. I agree with you on that, man, because I actually did my Robin Hood Men in Tights review 
that Mel Brooks did. And that was a spoof movie. And it's just hard to actually capture a good spoof movie mm. and stuff like that. I think they try a lot to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When it, raunchy, whenever they don't need to be raunchy. All you have to do is layer it out to the point where you can actually get your laughs and you actually know what you're spoofing. And you don't have to be raunchy. You don't have to do that because Mel Brooks didn't do that. You just have to figure out the formula that best works for you and the formula that best works for your universe that you're trying to make a spoof off of. Yeah. And I think that's what the problem is, I think. Well, it's making yourself, you know, relevant as well. must be hard. Mm -hmm. That's what's not working in in today's day and age because it's, you know, it's so empty. It's empty calories, you know. Hashtag this and all the young things. Like, no, no, just (laughs) you obviously did not get the soba spoof movie, and that's why I think it's a it's a generation thing. It doesn't fit in today's like way of of you know things being funny. Uh, I I think there might be a time we might see really good spoof movies. The only one I I could really think of is um, what we do in the shadows. You see, I didn't see that one. Oh, treat yourself, my John. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to check and see where I can actually watch that at. Because I would actually watch that. Since you uh, since you recommend that film, I'll definitely check oh, yeah, it out. Oh, yeah, it's a must check, man. Made me laugh so much, I think I probably peed. <laughs> yeah. it's It has that. But the, the, the thing, it has that, that tongue-in-cheek humor. And definitely, you know, if you've seen so much horror movies... These are questions you probably always ask in the back of your head, like, oh, what if like they'd be like that in, in actual life? But you thought you'd never actually see the answer on screen, but you actually watch a movie like, hey, I'm not the only one who thought about that stupid question, like, do vampires brush their teeth? You know, what kind of toothpaste do they use? <laughs> and yet, you know, and yet, you know, you can see it. What, you know, what happens if there's a frat boy type of, uh, of, of um, a vampire because he's new, right? And they're not all from the like 1800s. So there's there's things that definitely explore that really made uh, Taika Waititi stand out as someone who saw things very differently from from the others. But anyways, we digress. What's right. your number two, Mister? Okay, so whenever I'm going to get up to my number one and my number two, I actually had to flip a coin. Mm. And everything to figure out what I wanted to do because you know there's two movies that I really love and I had to actually scratch one off the list and then or move it up to my number mm. one so anyways my number two is going to be Teen Wolf of Michael J. Fox never seen it what? I know I know <laughs> this movie has a lot of stuff in it this movie is cheesy it's great it's also pretty much about being a teenager, trying to figure out to figure things out. Not only figure things out, but also your body's changing, going through things. But come to find out, Michael J. Fox's father is also a werewolf, uh, werewolf as well. There's that runs into their mm. DNA. But Michael Fo- J. Fox doesn't find that out until like later on. But my favorite scenes would have to be whenever Michael J. Fox is trying to buy a, a keg of beer. Mm for his under for his friends and everybody is striking out with this old dude from the liquor store right so he goes over there and he's and he goes uh, and all of a sudden his voice just changes he goes i want uh, uh i want beer i want a keg of beer and his eyes start glowing the man looks like he's about to have a heart attack 
And next thing you know, it he winds up giving him the cake of beer. And then there's also the iconic Surfing USA song mm-hmm. while they're on top yeah. of the van. Nice. And it's just something that I love about this. That's just, just an iconic film that I have to watch every single time it's on TV. And everything, and, too. And also Team Wolf 2. And does the, <laughs> does the special effects hold up, though? It, to be honest with you, it, it doesn't because of the uh, practical effects at that time and things like that. Now, you know, they would actually CGI the hell mm. out of this and everything if they were to do it, which they did for the MTV TV series. But as for a movie itself, they would actually CGI it, make it a little bit more frightening, but also try to make it a little bit more comical at the same time. Or they would just go in and change it to a straight-up horror movie instead. But Teen Wolf has always been one of my favorite Michael J. Fox movies and things like that. So that's why I have Teen Wolf as number, number nine. Number Beating f- uh, Back to the Future, one and two and three? No, that doesn't come Okay, close. okay, just saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've had multiple chances to watch it. Something does not make me go and and put it on, right? Or, you know, select on TV. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've never really... I was never captivated enough to actually give it a shot. I didn't even know it was good, to be honest. I, I To me, it's good. But I don't know. There's other people that might be like, what the hell? You picked that as your number two? Why didn't you pick Back to the Future? Didn't pick movies in the <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, true. You did skip a Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Brad Gilmer would impale you right now in life. <laughs> I think even Michael J. Fox might yeah. as well might be there too, though. To be honest with you, uh, but uh, all right. So I guess on to my number one. Yeah. All right, this is the end all mother load of war movies. This is probably the greatest war opus out there. So well constructed. The characters stand out. And when you mention Stanley Kubrick, a lot of people think about Full Metal Jacket. Oh, that is such a great movie. The, and I, I made my girlfriend, she's never seen it. I made my girlfriend watch it. We only watched the training part. We didn't watch the, the, the war part. That's my favorite part. When, you know, one of them goes cuckoo, but the 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 drill sergeant, the way he gets in his face... The speeches are legendary. Like I've, I personally, it's the best on screen for any like army type drill sergeant speech. His opening is one of the most memorable openings in that kind of uh, dialogue, and it's there's this mist of insaneness, right? There's something unhealthy about that scene. Like it, it adds a mood of just pure discomfort the whole way through because you can see the the character's evolution into something that's really not sane. And my girlfriend, was she was shocked at the end when the George uh, Sergeant got killed. You can see she was like, holy shit, did that just happen, right? Now, the other part of the movie is mind-blowing, but just for the first part, uh, really affecting me emotionally that I still watch this movie easily twice a year. I can see why. I do like the training part myself, to be honest with you, and it's iconic. 
and it's something that just sticks mm. with you. And I, matter of fact, I was actually 23 when I first saw this movie. Okay, so this is one of your late blooms, right? Because I heard of Full Metal Jacket, but you know, when you're young in your teens and stuff like that, there's certain movies that doesn't gravitate mm. towards you or whatever. And one day it was just on DirecTV, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check this movie out because I know the uh, training scene. I knew that, but I didn't understand the context. I didn't understand what was happening. I just saw the scene Mm. by itself, and that's something that I really enjoyed about this film. The drama, the action, the chemistry between all these other guys up in in arms and stuff like that. And also, too, not knowing that he's going to die. Yeah, it it is it does come as a shock. So that's what it had working for it. It had that whole entire shock factor of like what the hell just happened. I thought he was gonna make it through the whole entire movie because usually drill sergeants and stuff like that would actually be the type of people that might end up making it throughout the whole entire film. But then again, that's war. You never know mm. who's gonna go. And, and were you aware of the awesomeness of Kubrick when you watched this movie? Or did you like understand after this that this was a Kubrick movie? It, to be honest with you, you know, I like Stanley Kubrick for what he did with The Shining and stuff like that. But this is a whole different level of directing that I've seen to oh, compare yeah. the two. And I have to I have to say, it just shows you how great of a director he is whenever he has mm. the right material in front of him to be able to direct a movie that's actually a war film. And this is actually camera, uh, Stanley Kubrick's best film, in my honest opinion. I would still argue that it's 2001 A Space Odyssey, but that's just me. I, okay. I, I love the longness. I love like the, the, the void, the <laughs> emptiness, and how... How good the sets look, even today, today, day and age, there was nothing tacky. Everything was just so well thought out that I could see it in today's day and age being used as a set. Anyways, um, let's go to your number one because we don't we don't have time talking about the subject as well. Okay, so either when I was doing this, I, I was tied up between. This this film and one other film to the point to where I actually had to flip a coin on this one too, so I'm just gonna do an honorable mention for oh, the nice. Goonies. But I'm and I already did a John Hughes film and all that stuff too already with Steven Spielberg and all that stuff. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm gonna go and has a Commando. But damn, okay, so I went Predator, you went Commando, but it Arnold is in our top five. All right. <laughs> So I had to put Arnie mm. in there somewhere. But like you said, when you look at an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you look at the coyness, you look at the one-liners and stuff like that. And especially whenever he has that huge, uh, you know, whenever he has that huge uh, missile launcher oh, and everything God. too. And, and stuff like that, you know it's impossible. You know, we get the fact that he can lift weights, but there's no way that can actually be over on his shoulder like that. You yeah. know? But it's like, but, like that stronger than 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 human God aspect that he he kind of carries uh, his personality his persona for Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger is a bit like that naturally right so it's over the top because he's he looks to be over the top exactly and Arnold always knows how to actually do it right whenever it comes mm. to over the top stuff look at True Lies <laughs> look at 
uh, Conan a little bit, look at all the other films and stuff like that in his filmography, he knows how to actually get that level of cheesiness, but at the same time, he actually knows mm. how to make it believable. So, you know, Commando is actually one of those films that I've seen when I was like 10. <laughs> oh, God. Bad house. parenting. Right. <laughs> hey, I saw Chucky at Yeah, and, and, and I know a friend of mine, well, you know, Miss Soda traumatized the shit out of him. So when he watched, he watched Chucky way too young. <laughs> Oh wow, <laughs> I did too, but yeah, that's that's actually my number well, one. Like I, I definitely can understand. So, uh, but can I be straight with you, John? You picked that over Goonies, sure. really? <laughs> hey, I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be some a reviewer that keeps on saying the same stuff over and over again. Where it's like, oh, of course he would say Goonies. Oh, of course he would say Back to the Future because that's what everybody else is saying. But- you know, so I wanted Goofy, to go Goonies with different. Is not route. even in top five, John. It's in my top five. It's under my. Um, matter of fact, I would actually have to say if I was doing a top ten list, it would actually be in okay. the top ten list, and it would actually, and it would actually fall on the five. on number five. All right, you're off the hook, John. Okay, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> okay. What's up next, my man? Okay, so we have a little bit of Zack Snyder news and stuff like that. And in an interview, he actually described uh, the Snyder Cut as being rated R and stuff like that. And everybody's excited about that, that he actually said that this could be a rated R movie. I think this is just me speculating on the quote in itself. And as a matter of fact, I actually have that quote. That he, that he said, and it's the fact that and during the Entertainment Weekly interview with him, he goes, that's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. The filmmaker revealed in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, like I said, we haven't heard from the MPA, but that's my gut. So, my thing is this. I think it's just him being excited at the fact that this is actually happening to him, that he's actually able to make the film that he wants to make mm. with HBO Max. And he's just using that level of excitement. and goes, this is going to be like Red R. It's going to be great. It's going to be over the top. It's going to be great. Batman's going to say the word fuck. I'm like, well, how many times is he going to say the word fuck? You have to say it at least two times for it to be Red R. You actually have to have blood and gore in there as well to actually amplify it to be an R rating. And then also, too, another thing that I have to say is this. I'm okay with an R rating as long as it's not for the sake of it being rated R. And that's exactly what happened with the Harley Quinn movie. There was actually no reason to actually have a Harley Quinn movie with it being rated R or anything like that. Because it didn't do anything to amplify my viewing experience. And then on top of that, I'm also thinking on the same on this level, though, too, it does kind of make sense for them to go rated R because HBO doesn't have to uh, follow through with any Mm. MPA laws. But... There's also some speculations, too, that he's going to be releasing it onto the big screen. So maybe um, that it's actually going to be radar by the time it actually reaches the theater. See, like I, I see this as a good thing. And this quote for me makes me feel that it's not forced. That he, you know, he was making a movie and this kind of like just transformed into potentially an R-rated movie. And if that's the case, that's perfect. Because it was not intentional. He just mm-hmm. had a vision. There were some, like, people getting cut in half and things that, you know, will definitely 
you know, catch the attention of, of the rating system. And it was not like, I must put this to be controversial, right? It just fit the story. Mm-hmm. And if it fits the story and just ends up being R and you don't have to push back, uh, pull back and say, yeah, we had, we need PG-13. Can you PG-13? No, this is his vision. It ended up being R because that's what came out of his mind. For me, that's natural and definitely translate well. True. Like, it, it, it might feel like what, like, um, Logan was, right? It didn't have to be R, but we finally see him dive into someone's guts, right? Mm-hmm. And and actually slitting someone's throat. It wasn't just slitting someone's throat to slit someone's throat. It's just because that's what a character with freaking blades for hands, you know, it would do. And it just fit and there was this western right. element and everything this could be the same thing for justice league you know it's not trying to be an arm or a movie but True. just fits within the context because they are fighting a galactic bad guy that serves an emperor you know right and I've, to be honest with you i wouldn't mind seeing an r-rated uh movie like this though to be honest with you if it's actually rated r that's great because I would like to actually see what what a universe like this would be that's actually rated R. And it also fits in with the characters. If it benefits the character in a way to where it actually fits in with an R rating, I'm all for it. You know, because that's what that character is and that's what it calls Now, for. I do have a question. You know? And it's a, a bit slightly non-related to the R, but it's related to Justice League. What if this is a major, massive hit? I believe that we're going to see the Snyderism. <laughs> That's what I'm actually going to call it. The dawn of Snyderism. Where you might actually have WB hiring them back up permanently to finish off the DCEU. And then maybe uh, do uh, what if, you know, an Elseworld maybe story or something like that. But I see them probably hiring them back permanently if this is actually a smash hit. And plus, it wasn't his yeah. fault that his daughter committed suicide and he had, actually had to leave. It was just bad. It was just bad timing, and of course, that's how we actually wound up with Joss Whedon. But I'm all for the fact that if this is actually a smash hit, you know, WB hires him back. He comes back again. He finishes off the DCU and is like, you know what, Snyder, you've done a good job visually. You understood the characters. You know what you're doing. We want to actually give you something else after. Yeah, the, and I mean, there's so much this. things you can do, right? Because it's on its own universe. But right now, it shows that TV shows are just as important as movies. And it has its own place, that universe, on a streaming service like HBO Max. And I wouldn't mind seeing a season two, season three, or continuing that universe. Because we have the Flash coming, right? That opens up uh, potential to open other dimensions, other universes, and have something different on screen. But still continue the Wonder Woman flashes on TV. And in a sense, like nothing close to CW. Having something movie quality and available every year like right. if you would have a game of thrones right quality so i i definitely see them continuing this universe mm-hmm. if this works and it's not tying down the movie universe because it's its own thing right and another thing though too what i would like to see is where they you know how tv mm-hmm. series are directed by different people I'd like to see Zack Snyder direct a Green Lantern movie, a TV series off of HBO Max, because we all know that a, uh, mm. a Green Lantern movie is actually going to be coming. 
and everything on HBO Max. And I think he would actually be a perfect fit for HBO Max to actually have you know, for a Green Lantern movie. You know who and uh, what show. I would actually love him to direct his own TV show? Um, it's Lobos. Having a Snyder Lobos oh. uh, TV show would blow my mind. Dude, I love Lobo. Lobo is actually my favorite character from the DC universe and everything. And I remember whenever I ranted that they were going to get Michael Bay. Not to do it, as like, that. Oh, no. God. It's like having Paul, uh, the, the guy who just written evil. <laughs> it's like having him. It's like just, just <laughs> I agree. You touch anything that's pop culture. Do not touch it. But, but Lobo, it, like, put it in agree. the right context. Hell, you're opening it. Opening up your your um, space stuff, right? You got Green Lantern. You can explore that world. And hell, he could actually be a bounty hunter trying to, and he winds up over into the universe of Green Lantern. Or you know, my mind it could be like the Wild West kind of flavor to it. Like we but got with Mandalorian. instead of Mandalorian is very, you know. Structured and and right, but honor Lobos would be a, a western in space, but with with the most you know uncivilized, the backstabbing bastard mm-hmm. you can get, and you you love him. <laughs> uh, my choice exactly. to play that uh, that that character would be Carl or Urban. That's actually a good pick. I'm gonna go with Rome, uh, Roman. Uh, oh Reigns. shit! Can he act though? Uh, that's another thing, though, too. If I want someone to play Lobo, I don't want it to be where it's not... You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be like a one-stick thing like they did with Batista, because even Batista owns up to the fact that he's not the greatest actor, but they made a script that was right for him to be able to do it. I just don't want him to be like a watered-down Lobo. I want him to have layers to him. But as for Reigns being able to act, I don't know if he can be able to act. I know that the mm. look looks right, but just because the look looks right doesn't no, mean that he can yeah, act. Yeah, and, and, and it's a chance. Either. You never know. It could be a perfect fit. It was made to be Lobo. But at the same time, yeah, you know, there is a chance. And usually mm-hmm. you don't give that role to someone who has no experience. But they, they did it with Cyborg, right? So he does have a theater experience, but not movie experience. So you can take a risk. But you really hope it pays off. For me, Carl Urban, this choice is based sure. off of the boys. Because Carl Urban does the <clears throat> douchebag you love, but man, you want to hit, right? That intensity, Butcher is such a <laughs> kick-ass character. And he feels menacing, right? Those eyes, his eyes would fit Lobos. He, I, I find like you put Butcher... On a motorcycle in space. That that's what you need. Exactly, and also too, another thing that I want to mention too is the way he says the sorry. c word. My my, my, my. <laughs> and everything. Too. Okay, the way he. Sorry, my mic got plugged. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, but no, the way he actually says the c word <laughs> in that asshole kind of way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. It, it would fit him. I mean, it would actually fit him. I like and your choice. Point. I do like your choice yeah. a lot. It would just be different. <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to be it 
for the show as far as things go. All right. Well, the uh, where can the kids find you on YouTube? If you know what Schmodown is, <laughs> we have a podcast about it. We dissect every aspect possible. Go join that. Also on our audio side on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, all the great platforms you listen to your podcast to. Please check out our uh, the Frenchie watches and the Frenchie talks about. We dissect a movie and really go through the psychological uh, meaning and dissection of the movie. And we talk also about random subjects and have a specialist for each subject. Come on every week. So you are invited to check that out. And if you want to reach me, you can find me on Facebook under Louis M-O-N-E-T. All right. And everyone, you guys can actually follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook uh, you, we also have a website for all your entertainment needs and wants, and that's called www.movieloversunite.com. If you guys want to donate to the show, you guys don't have to, but if you want to show some gener- uh, generosity and everything, go to the GoFundMe page and the link below in the show notes below. Another thing, too, guys, is follow me on Twitter if you guys want to. And also, too, make sure you rank this podcast. Some of you guys think about this podcast. Send me in a voicemail message. And also, too, you guys can also find me on Pinterest, at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And you guys can also find me on Instagram as well. As a matter of fact, I actually interviewed an independent um, director from overseas. Make sure you guys check that out. It was a great interview with Telman Brock. So make sure you check that out. Always until next time, guys. It's been great, Louie. I'm always happy to actually have you on. Yeah, and Man, I only wish I could do it like great. before, twice a week. But life calls. I'm busy as hell. But it's always a pleasure <laughs> being on your show, my friend. definitely is man and always until next time hello movie lovers and welcome to the show this is your host as always from movie lovers unite john degorio and i just want to talk about something real quick and that is audible what is audible i'm so glad that you guys asked audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books ranging from bestsellers like Anne rice stephen king the list just goes on their whole entire catalog when it comes down to audiobooks is just fantastic if you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast go ahead go to audible you're not going to regret it they actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on you can actually go on ahead go to the link and it'll bring you up to that trial and a matter of fact every month members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the new york times the wall street journal and the washington post as well as guided meditation programs another thing too guys that's not all they have they also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021 they have stuff for that too like finishing more books or becoming a better parent leader or a person how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.